Good morning, y'all. This is Dana from BAS Financial Aid Compliance Solutions and owner of Financial Aid, um, DAS Financial Aid Consulting Services. I'd like to welcome you into today's podcast, Let's Talk Financial Aid, where I provide you with guidance, um, whether you're a student, parent of a college-bound student, or a financial aid professional uh, with the uh, latest updates from the Department of Ed and also the um, kind of give you an idea of what how the financial aid system works here in the United States. So without further ado, today's topic is going to be about getting ready to complete the 2022-2023 FAFSA as it opens up next Friday, October 1st. So that's the launch date of the new FAFSA. And so we're going to go over the details regarding that. So let's get started. First and foremost, um, I wanted to direct everybody to the worksheet that has been posted right now from Federal Student Aid. It is available through student loans or studentaid.gov, I should say. And if you just simply go to studentaid.gov and in the search area, put the 2022-2023 FAFSA, the worksheet will pop uh, right up and it's a PDF link. And I highly recommend that if you are going to be completing this FAFSA, um, there's quite a few changes to it compared to the prior award year, especially the current award year we're working on, which is the 21 so 2021-2022 award year, which began on July 1st. And uh, just to give you a little guideline there, um, award years are defined in the by the Department of Education starting with July 1st. So July 1st to June 30th are the definitions or the time frame of the award years. So... Um, it was during the presidential uh, administration of President Obama um, who bumped the completion of the FAFSA to October 1st from originally July 1st to give a little bit more uh, time to, for students to complete um, the, the FAFSA uh, before the award year actually began. Um, and to be able to receive um, their uh, student aid uh, financial eligibility to know what it is before they apply to school. So with the 2022-2023 FAFSA, um, you're again going to want to make sure you review the PDF form, fill out the worksheet. That would make it a lot easier before you go into um, actually complete your application electronically. Um, you're going to want to make sure you also have information uh, with regards to your 2020 federal income tax information, as well as uh, if you didn't file an income tax, but you had income earned from work, you're going to need to have that information handy as well. And then you're going to want to go through and um, just, you know, answer the questions as uh, they are outlined. And um, if you don't know the answer to the question, uh, I would just kind of circle it and then um, talk to a financial aid advisor um, at your institution. If you're currently a student and you're gonna be reapplying 
um, for the 2022-2023 award year. Um, if you are a parent and, and your um, student is a senior in high school um, and preparing to go into um, college, what you're going to want to do is, is talk to um, a financial aid professional such as myself, um, or you can also find other um, professionals out there in your area. But I'm I'm happy to assist and to contact me with any of your questions. You can um, email me at danderson at dasfinancialaidconsultingservices.com. Also, the um, federal student aid staff is there there as well to help you um, with any questions that you have. Uh, however, I will just say that along with um, a lot of employers across the United States right now, there are some uh, staffing issues going on uh, with the Department of Ed, and that came to light, which will be um, in our updates later on in the show. So um, you may end up, if you ask for assistance through um, federal student aid or the fafsa.ed.gov website, you can go there directly um, and just reach out to uh, their help center. You may not receive a response um, immediately, you may receive a, a delayed response. So just be prepared for that. Um, and again, I'm just putting it out there. Everybody um, is is doing their job. It's just, again, we're understaffed um, at the department. And um, so going forward, um, with that, again, it opens the um, FAFSA for 2022-2023 opens on October 1st. The other thing you're going to want to um, review when you review this worksheet is on the first page of the worksheet, you need to also look at your state, where, where you're from, and make sure that you're um, aligned with the deadlines um, for your state as well, because state grants um, also, after the FAFSA is completed, your state grants also will uh, be calculated from that as well for those of you that um, apply for state grants and, and qualify for them. So uh, just make sure that you're up to date with the dates and when you need to submit these. I know that there's a, a few um, a few states, I'm just looking real quick. Um, Connecticut's one of the earliest ones. You need to have your FAFSA completed by February 15th of 2022, okay? so. That, that's one of the earliest dates. Um, I see that Idaho, um, the Opportunity Scholarship for that state, uh, the deadline is March 1st, 2022. So that means that your FAFSA needs to be completed prior to March 1st, 2022. Um, so again, just make sure you go through. Um, Maryland's got the March 1st deadline as well. Um, Michigan has March 1st deadline. Missouri has a February 1st deadline, um, but they do accept applications completed through April 1st of 2022, and that has to be the date received. On all of these, um, I should also mention it's date received. And uh, just quickly going down the list, um, January 15th is for Texas. So uh, private and two-year institutions may have different deadlines, but uh, for the state of Texas, January 15th, 2022 is when they need to receive um, your 2022-2023 FAFSA. 
And I just quickly saw as well, Montana, December 1st, 2021. So they're the earliest one. Um, actually, so Montana, um, is the earliest as far as having to have your, uh, FAFSA completed for any, um, state grants from the state of Montana. So again, that's very important that you get that in information in. And now the next step too, is that's very important is, is that you're, if you are a student, you need to log in, um, to the account, to your um, FSA account with your FSA ID. And if you are a senior that is in high school and you're first applying for this account, you need to create account. You have your own FSA ID number and your parent has to establish their own FSA ID number. Okay. If for some reason you find yourself in a situation where you don't have a parent available, to complete their section of the FAFSA, you can again reach out to uh, fafsa.ed.gov support, or you can also contact myself at uh, Dana D. Anderson at dasfinancialaidconsultingservices.com, and I'll be happy to answer your questions on um, what happens in that case. Uh, and also, um, if there's an institution out there that you've got your eye on, you can also just reach out to them as well um, and ask their uh, financial aid um, advisors for some direction there. But there, there are several options for you. Um, but do not complete the FAFSA um, until you uh, talk to somebody just to see where you fall. Um, but you can review the worksheet, um, and that will also help you with answering the questions as well. Um, again, to prepare you for that conversation. So um, right now, that that's pretty much it um, with regards to the 2022-2023 uh, FAFSA launch. Uh, next week, I'm going to actually end up having two shows on Friday. Uh, the first one will be our regular 1130 ET start, um, but then I will also be doing a special uh, show beginning at 2.30 ET, which will be 11.30 PT, uh, with a lovely couple um, that is helping students and their families uh, with selecting the right school um, for you uh, based on your interests. So um, it's going to be a great conversation. I can't wait um, to have them uh, come on the show. So I'm uh, looking forward to it. And throughout the week, I'll be um, providing you information um, that, uh, regarding that show and it'll be great. Um, so looking forward to that. Um, okay. Now let's get into a couple of the updates that came in, uh, from the department of education, uh, through, uh, NASFA, uh, this week. And, um, one of the, um, biggest stories that I saw come through, um, was FSA's understaffed workforce neglected 20% of the workload. And this was a new report from the Government of Accountability Office, GAO. And they found that the Office of Federal Student Aid has not sufficiently adjusted its staffing levels to account for its growing portfolio. While the number of student loan borrowers grew 150% from fiscal year 
2010 to fiscal year 2019, FSA's staffing only increased by 6%, and by fiscal year 2020, the agency was unable to complete about 20% of its designated workload. The article um, goes on to state um, more of the report's findings, and um, I highly encourage y'all, um, if you are financially professional and you don't have access to NASFA, um, get access to it. And you can also actually follow them on a, the social media platforms. So I recommend following them on Twitter if you're on Twitter, uh, also LinkedIn. And then they're also, uh, I believe, on Facebook. But LinkedIn is uh, where I follow them. And I also share a lot of uh, their information uh, with you all through my uh, LinkedIn profile as well as on my Twitter feed. So I do um, highly recommend that you do that. And also, just as a little um, FYI, if you are financially professional and or even I believe this is also open to um, students and their parents. So bear with me a second while I go under the webinar registration. Um, FSA has a webinar that they're um, also going to be hosting next uh, week. It's Thursday, September 30th, uh, beginning at 2 p.m. ET, and it'll be for about an hour. And this is 2022-2023 FAFSA Updates webinar. And if you um, go to fsa.ed.gov, or you can go to FSA Partners as well. I think that's partners.com. So let me just double check that for you. Um, that's where you can receive a lot of information as well. It's FSA Partners, all one word, .ed.gov. And uh, if you go there, you also have access to the same information um, as financial aid professionals. So that's for students and parents as well. Um, the Knowledge Center is uh, a, a great resource too. But I will tell you that um, just like anything that is government run, you know, it can be a little bit complex. So um, I've been doing this for 15 years. Uh, and interpreting what's going on, and I'm still learning. In fact, this week, um, I will tell, share with you that I learned, um, which is different than the actual financial aid world, that um, institutions, and this isn't so much for the four-year institutions, um, it's more for those institutions that are um, career and technical base that are running certificate programs and are Title IV eligible is what we call it um, when they're able to offer Pell Grant and direct loans. Um, it's more for those institutions where they do start dates on federal holidays. Now, it does say in the handbook under the awarding and the guiding section for institutions that they are permitted to define their own start dates for uh, loan period uh, start and end and academic year start and end. However, you can't schedule disbursement on a federal holiday. And the reason why is because the federal holiday is recognized by the Department of Education as a government entity, as well as the 
financial world. So meaning that on a federal holiday, the stock market is closed here in the United States. All banks are closed in the United States, which includes the federal the, the federal banks. Uh, so if you are um, an institution that would start on a federal holiday, even though the guidance says that you can pick your own date, technically that's a non-business day for the federal government. So, and, and you can't schedule disbursements on a federal holiday because again, it's not a business day. Um, so I found that um, a little co confusing, and, but I received guidance uh, from the department outlining uh, what I read in the handbook. Um, so I guess that was a confirmation from uh, the rep that uh, helped me with my question was just uh, copying and pasting the language from the book. And so I guess it meant that that was how that ran. Um, I personally, uh, from my banking background, uh, I know when we uh, closed mortgages that if you had a signing that day, because, you know, a lot of people are off on a federal holiday and if they was easy to schedule a closing, then we'd schedule the closing. But the three days right of rescission wouldn't start until the day after because that counted as a business day where the, you know, signing the federal holiday was not. So I just found that a little interesting, thought I'd share that with the, with uh, y'all um, because, you know, some of you might be interested in that information. So there you have it. Um, so we went over the article about this understaffed workforce, and I'm just going to throw it out there that with regards to that report, you know, that could also explain why we have an issue right now um, with restarting the, the repayment um, for the student loans that were placed on hold um, as of March 13th, uh, 2020, uh, which was the actual date that uh, President Trump had signed in the emergency act that we had going on regarding the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and those loans were slated to go back into repayment um, as of September 30th, which would be next Thursday. And now that repayment has been date has been pushed forward to January 31st. Um, I will say that I I also believe that it's politically tied, um, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, those of you um, interested can research that, but um, I do know that there is a push that during that time frame, um, it's been well reported that um, during that time frame, there's going to be another push to write off that debt. And I'm just going to put it out there that that writing off that debt is not going to help the situation because that's been written off before and we've found ourselves back in the same situation. What is going to help the situation, though, is for those students that are looking at going into college, uh, you need to really look into why you're going to college and also pick something that uh, for your education line that's going to help you in the career that you want to get into um, versus spending a, a lot of money and not knowing what you want to do um, and just using it as an experiment to live away from home. And uh, again, just not knowing what you want to do, um, you know, 
it costs a lot of money to go to college. And if you're looking at going to a four-year university or, or college, um, just because, you know, your best friend's doing it, or maybe, you know, you have some pressure from your folks, um, but you don't know quite what you want to do, that's, that's a pretty hefty price to pay for one year. I mean, some one year at an institution could cost you 50 grand. Um, and you only get a portion through financial aid to pay on that um, price tag uh, for that one year. So, you know, don't be don't be afraid to, uh, you know, just kind of take a look at what you really like to do and, and what is available to you to further your education and what you really want to achieve um, and uh, and just go from there. Um, but that is um, sound advice, financial literacy, financial aid literacy advice so that you um, don't end up in, in debt and uh, not be able to um, afford it. So with having said that, I think those were the um, one of the main updates. And uh, actually, just to back up a little bit, I... I that last uh, talk that I was giving you regarding, or last topic I was giving you providing the, uh, you know, uh, suggestion that it's been well documented regarding the, the push uh, to write off the student loan debt. I actually read an article also in NASA that says progressives see final payment pause as last chance for debt forgiveness. And uh, this was written by Owen Doherty, their NASA staff reporter. And um, I'll just read you a quick excerpt from that so that you don't think I'm, uh, don't have anything to back up what I'm, what I'm stating with all of the tension that we have nowadays um, when we talk government topics and budgets and so forth. So the article starts out to say the final extension of the payment pause through January for borrowers with federal student loans has set the stage for a looming decision involving the White House and several federal agencies regarding the fate of millions of borrowers' loan statuses. For months, progressives have been pushing President Joe Biden to use his executive authority to issue widespread student loan forgiveness, arguing that he can do so by executive order and without having to go through Congress. With the January 31st deadline for when borrowers are set to resume making payments, advocates for debt forgiveness see this window of time as an opportunity for a final push to persuade the White House to take action. However, it also goes down to say a little bit further in the article that... Um, there is uh, a situation that has been pointed out that this um, could actually um, backfire because there is a possibility that the president doesn't have the legal authority to cancel the student loan debt without further authorization from Congress. So um, that's where that lies. And it's a pretty lengthy article, but I recommend um, that, uh, you know, y'all familiarize yourselves with it. And, and again, um, you, can, you can get access to it on social media as well. So um, with that, I'm going to 
close out today's show. And I want to wish everyone a great um, weekend. Um, it's fall. It's definitely fall. The leaves are changing here uh, outside the studio in, in New Hampshire. And uh, I know there's a lot of activities going on. And we got college ball. And uh, my Buckeyes won, so that was great last week. It wasn't too pretty, but at least they won. So having said that, I wish you all a great week, and I'll be chatting with you again next Friday. Talk to you soon.